I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally, and we're coming at you on the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in our mm-hmm. world today. And like always, I'm Josiah. This is Micah. We're fired up to be with you. Yes, we are. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, you can just subscribe, rate, review, let us know how you found us, and just let us know what God's doing in your life. If there's something that stands out to you that we say or the guest says, we want to hear what God is doing in your life. So if you want more of what we have, you can definitely check us out. Any past episodes, we air a new episode every single Monday. And speaking of Mondays, Josiah, we are in the studio with somebody amazing today that our paths crossed way back in Oklahoma a while back. And my mind was blown just having a conversation in a pizzeria of amazing pizza and amazing okay. conversation with this individual. Josiah, would you share with the audience who is on the other side of this conversation today? You bet, babe. Lamar Slay joins us. How are you, Lamar? Doing well. It's amazing. We're thankful for your mm-hmm. time. Lamar Slay is the central young adults pastor at Gateway Church in Texas. Um, you might know uh, Pastor Robert Morris or Gateway Church, amazing church in Texas. And he has also inspired us, as in mm-hmm. Micah and I, and I believe he will for you today, as a daily TikToker where he prays mm-hmm. for students and right. young adults. And before we get into Lamar's journey, which is amazing and incredible story of life, and leadership and God's faithfulness. Babe, I was just wondering if oh. you would um, be willing to just launch us with a verse of the day. Ooh, the verse of the day comes from Psalms 113.3. It says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Wow, what an amazing reminder that we should be praising the Lord in and out of season. We should be praising him at the beginning of the day, throughout the day, and at the end of the day. So. Thank the Lord for Psalms 113, huh? Amazing. And I just think of how our daughters both love the sunrise. That's about the time they get up in the morning. Oh, yeah. It starts <laughs> early, and sometimes it feels like a long day. But we want to help you and join you on the journey to really help you start your Monday, your week off strong. And Lamar, I thought it'd be cool. You have such an amazing testimony and story of God's faithfulness in your life and ministry leadership. So you can take it in whatever direction you want to go. But We'd love to get to know you better, and so would the listener. Absolutely. I um, I was very fortunate. I grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, my dad was a, a pastor for 47 years, and um, I've been really fortunate to work under some great guys. Um, I was on staff at uh, Saddleback under Rick. I was on staff at Fellowship Church under Ed and now under Robert. But what I learned... Um, the most important things I learned about ministry, I learned from my dad. And my dad was never in a, um, a large church, the largest church he ever pastored was around 300. But he taught me what it meant to pastor people and how important it was to uh, teach them the word and, and help them to understand it and apply it to their life. And uh, those were the, the, the basics uh, of, of being a pastor, of being in ministry. Um, I've been in the ministry 52 years. Um, When God called me to the ministry, he specifically, uh, my call was specifically to the next generation. Uh, I was in student ministry for years, 
and uh, students in college and now at Gateway, I, I oversee the young adult ministry. Um, you know, it's, it's, I look back on my life and on my ministry and the things that I learned early on in ministry are the exact same things that our people need today. The methods may change, but the principles are the same. So I was youth pastor in local churches for 25 years, and I ended up out on the West Coast with uh, Pastor Rick. Uh, there I uh, was one of his uh, teach. I was his teaching assistant. Uh, I'd been there about three weeks, and I uh, drove up on Sunday morning, and he was standing out on the sidewalk, and he had a, a file folder in his hand. To be honest with you, I thought I was in trouble. I thought, boy, this is a record. They've only been here three weeks and already going to call it a pastor. <laughs> uh, but he said, uh, Lamar, he said, I'm having a, a really tough day. He said, you don't know this, but most people now know that Rick had a, a speaking. At that point, he called it a speaking phobia where he just went through incredible stress every time he spoke and, and still does that. And he said, I'm having a really bad day today. I don't think I can do three sermons, three messages. And I need you to do the 11 o'clock service for me. Here are my notes. And um, he handed me this file folder. And I remember thinking, as I thought, Rick, I know you're having a bad day, but mine just really <laughs> took a turn itself. <laughs> so, I can't imagine that. So I went and uh, hit out for a couple of hours and then did the 11 o'clock service. And that happened a couple of more times over the next uh, three or four weeks. And finally, I said, hey, Rick, why don't you give me those notes on Friday? I'll be semi-ready. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to have to start using illustrations about your wife, and I don't think she's going to like that. Uh, and he said, I got a better idea. Let me give them to you on Wednesday. And uh, why don't you do one of the services for me each week? So we were doing five services. So I would rotate through those five services. And just to give him a break, uh, learned a, a lot about ministry from Rick's, particularly how to reach the unchurched, how to reach the lost world. Uh, he did things that no one else had had done before and really was able to draw in the unchurched people. You know, a lot of times as ministers, um, even as as believers, uh, we forget how the lost world thinks. Yeah. You forget what it's like to drive up to a building you've never been in before, go in with people you don't know anybody there, sit through a service that maybe you've never even been through a service like that, and and to be comfortable with that enough to come back the next week. And so Rick really understood the, the unchurched community and, and it was just led the way in a lot of ways. We moved back to Texas. Um, I went on staff with uh, Ed at Fellowship Church as a teaching assistant. Uh, he had just started fellowship, it was running about a thousand. And uh, I would teach the young adults on Friday night. And then I filled in for Ed whenever he was out of the, the pulpit on the weekends. At that point, I began to do consulting and began to travel and, and work with churches and uh, was doing that up until I came on staff here at Gateway. Uh, I've been here not quite a year yet uh, in the young adult role. Prior to that, I helped open the Dallas campus and was on staff there for six years, uh, overseeing volunteers and, and what have you. Um, my family is a uh, story within itself. I, I always often tell people that if they, a counselor, that just saw our family could retire very well uh, just just from us as his only only clients. Um, my wife and I have been married 42 years. Uh, we have five kids. Uh, we have two older boys that uh, my former marriage and eight grandkids. 
that uh, if I look a little shell shock, I just had four junior high grandkids with me for a week. So uh, they just left and went, went back home. Um, Cindy and I have three kids. My oldest daughter is a, um, uh, I call her a drama queen, but she actually is a degreed drama queen. She uh, uh, has her master's in theater directing and actually worked uh, in New York and on the Broadway shows for a period of time. Now she is a uh, high school drama teacher here uh, close to us. My uh, middle son, Josh, um, is um, a great kid, uh, athletic, did everything. He got into college and got into drugs and was on drugs for about 10 years. During that time, we, um, he knew that he couldn't live at home and drugs. So there were five or six times that uh, we made him leave home. He lived on the streets. He went through five or six rehabs. Finally, on, on an Easter morning, he texted me and he said, Dad, he said, I'm really sorry for everything that I've done and all the money I've cost you and the heartache. He said, I'm going to take all my meds and I'm going to I'm going to kill myself. And he went dark on me. And so for the next three days, I uh, searched the morgues here in the DFW area trying to find his body because I thought he was dead. What had happened, he, um, he called me on Tuesday night from the psych ward at a local county hospital and said, Dad, I'm really ticked. I said, what do you mean, son? He said, I can't even kill myself. Uh, I, I said, son, you've never wavered when I ask you about your salvation, when I ask you that you prayed and invited Christ to come into your life. And, and we prayed that prayer together. You've never wavered on that. And I said, I really believe God's got something special for you to do. Um, an orderly heard him on the phone that day talking to me and looked at him when he got off the phone. And he said, Josh, he said, you're just like the prodigal son. said, mm-hmm. you just need to come to yourself. He had laid down behind a convenience store and taken all his meds and taken a bottle of inhalant and lay down with it on his chest to die. And a lady who I will always believe was an angel sent by God found him and uh, called 911, found him on Facebook, took her picture of him laying there with that bottle of inhalant and sent it to him and said, Josh, I don't know you, but unless you get your act together with God, this is how you're going to end up. And uh, he carried that picture with him for a long time. He came out of uh, that psych ward, uh, went to a um, halfway house type setting, got sober, and that was 12 years ago. And today he and his wife own a recovery center for women down in Fredericksburg, Texas. Of all the stories uh, in my ministry, my own son is the greatest turnaround that I've ever seen in anyone. And today he helps people uh, all over all over the country, as a matter of fact, to get help, to get in a place where they can get sober and uh, get their life together with God and, and move on. And then my younger, my youngest daughter um, was never supposed to walk or talk or be able to uh, go to school. And uh, they offered us the option of abortion when we found out my wife was pregnant. She'd been given an antiviral drug two weeks into her pregnancy. We didn't know she was pregnant. Um, obviously that wasn't an option with us. And so we, um, they just forgot to tell her all those things. She was born with a whole lot of other issues. None of the ones which they told us she might have. 
But they told us immediately that she would never walk, would never talk, would never be able to go to school. And um, she has uh, proven all of that wrong. She played tennis through her junior year in high school. She uh, has had 22 major surgeries. she is a teacher's aide in the special ed classes that she taught, that she went to as a student. Uh, she's done that now for the last seven years, helping kids with disabilities learn. And she's one of the leaders in Gateway Student Ministry uh, at our Northridge Hills campus. It's a really cool thing happened when she was about um, three. Cindy had really been struggling with all the therapy and, and everything that went with that. and. Um, she wrote God a letter releasing Brittany to God and said, God, uh, I know I can't make Brittany normal, but what is normal in your eyes? But I'm releasing her to you. I'm giving her to you to take care of her because I know you love her more than I do. When Brittany was 12, she was reading through some of Cindy's journals and she came across that letter and read it for the first time. And that night she wrote Cindy a letter thanking her for turning her over to God and left it on Cindy's pillow that night. Uh, Cindy found it when she went to bed. Uh, She is an incredible kid and is our miracle kid. uh, And God has used her in a lot of students' lives. She has students now that are young adults that she had as junior high students as a volunteer uh, at Gateway Church. So that's a little bit about my life and my story. Like I said, a counselor can make a good living just dealing with the slaves. Uh, I love it. I love it. You talked about the power of God without saying it. You talked about the miracles, the radical life transformations. Yeah. And that's many of the listeners. Like that's what our, our dream and our passion is to to see people experience the goodness and the freedom that they can encounter when they walk into relationship with Jesus Christ and what they um, can, you know, see him do that only he could do right and so thank you so much for going there and sharing those dynamics of your family because we all come from something messy right and you're a beautiful mess in god's eyes and i'm grateful for for your testimony that you're willing to share and you shared some of that when we had met in person a few months back and it was just incredible but also just just inspiring to see that you were a dad that did not give up on your children. You were a dad that continued to to pray and pursue and to press through and to continually do ministry. You said 52 years you've been doing ministry, right? Right. And that's that's unheard of, and even in this day and age. So I just want to say thank you for leading the charge and leading the way in ways you may never see or know or understand, but God does. So, (laughs) and I think it's actually really special, and to me, it's inspiring. You know, we talk always on young adults today about reaching young adults in our world today, and so to to have a guest on who's been in ministry fifty two years, that's incredible and a milestone to be celebrated. And I think it's really mm. unique and, and rare in my experience to see somebody like yourself who is... Somebody old, go ahead, you can say it, that's right. Well, seasoned salt, that's what I call like you're, salt. You're leading the young adult ministry at one of the leading churches in America, mm-hmm. and, and I just honor you for it and I thank you for it and I think it's so cool because people are looking for mothers and fathers spiritual mothers and fathers Mm -hmm. parents grandparents and spiritual grandparents and so I love it and we're just fired up today 
Yeah, speaking of Gateway Church, I'd be curious, Lamar, for the listener today who's maybe like the multi-site, leading teams, whatever that is and looks like, how have you guys structured the young adult ministry specifically with Gateway Church? I know you haven't been there forever, but what does that look like and how do those dynamics function? You know, it's it's really interesting. Uh, When I came on last October, um, there had been a, a lot of different uh, ideas, a lot of different programs, a lot of different ways to um, to do young adult ministry here. I think the thing that stood out in my mind was that just through some changes in leadership and what have you, we had not been consistent in what we were doing. And so rather than make a, a lot of changes, I made the decision. I felt like God was leading. I said, hey, just whatever you do, do it well and be consistent. We would... Um, in the past, we would cancel young adults for just about anything that happened church-wide. If we had a conference or this or that, and so uh, the the staff here at were incredible. I went to them to share my vision. I said, "Look, we've got to be consistent." So we got uh, we we dealt with that, and what we came up with is that we have uh, our gatherings, which are our services, our meetings, twice a month. We do it on the the second and the fourth Tuesday of every month. And that is where we come together for a great time of worship. Um, We started something new. We do an interview uh, every week where we just take a a normal young adult who's part of that body at the campuses and someone interviews them for five to seven minutes. It's just kind of a a get to know you. Uh, Where'd you grow up? What's God's doing in your life right now? Where do you work? Just those basic things. And everybody that's interviewed is not what you would call uh, in the world's eyes, a superstar. In other words, they they don't have to be a corporate, you know, shooting up the corporate ladder. Uh, They are just normal people. We've had school teachers, we've had police officers, we've had uh, college students, we had uh, young adults who have their own business, landscaping business and what have you. And we just talked to them about where they are are with the Lord. And that has been a, a huge hit with our young adults to see that um, one of the things that we try to teach them is everybody is in full-time ministry. Some of us get paid by our church. Others get paid by school district, our law firm, our police uh, agency. But we're all in full-time ministry. And to see that wherever God has put you, that's your mission, Phil. And so Tuesday nights, then we, we have a message by one of our young adult pastors. Each campus has a young adult pastor. Uh, and then we close our evening with another time of worship. We know young adults really like to worship. So we have an altar call that leads into an extended time of worship to close out the evening. On the, the fifth Tuesdays of each, when we have fifth Tuesdays, usually they're four in a year, we do what we call a one night. We bring all the campuses together for a a big meeting and basically we follow the same format, but everybody gets to come together and then we do a big after party. We'll um, in Texas where it's been over hundred degrees, most of the summer, we've had quite a few popsicles and and, uh, hamburgers and whatever else uh, we we have, but we do those four times a year as well. And then from a um, small group standpoint, we had uh, small groups that were just kind of all over the place. So we've, we've kind of, organize that into four different kinds of small groups. The small groups meet on the first and third weeks of the month. So second and fourth, we have our gatherings. First and third, we have small groups. 
Um, first small group we have is for college age students trying to bridge that gap from high school into the young adult. Basically, it's 18 to 24, 25. The second kind of group is just a community group, a group that meets. They'll study a book of the Bible. They'll study a book that someone's written, uh, doing life together as a group. The third group is an activity group, and that's a group that's built around one of our campuses has a huge softball league. Um, we have volleyball leagues. Pickleball is a big deal here. We, we have some pickleball leagues. Um, the, the thing that we change about that is every time there's a practice or a game, <clears throat> there is a time of spiritual uh, emphasis where we take prayer requests, we share a word from God's word. Uh, we want people that are involved in those to know, hey, this is more than just getting together and playing volleyball. Uh, we're here to grow closer together as a community, but also to grow closer together with, with the Father. And then the group, one that we're kicking off this fall, and it is a, a mentorship group where we have three to five people per leader. So if it's a uh, single person, they would have three to five. If it's a couple, they might have five to seven. They meet as a regular group, but those leaders are available to mentor their group members outside of the group meeting. And so on a weekly basis, somebody in that group is going to be meeting with the leader, just dealing with life, whether it's going in the, in the corporate world. We try to group people based on where they are in the workplace. If they own their own business, we try to put them with a successful business person. If they're in the corporate world, a corporate leader. And then that way, they not only have the small group experience, but they have a mentor that they can go to to uh, to talk about life, to talk about their work, their careers, uh, their profession, that sort of thing. And then the other thing that we do is we do a uh, once a year retreat where we get off together for a weekend uh, and we'll, we'll have a specific topic for each one of those. And then we just encourage our young adults to serve. Uh, we have our own serve teams that serve at our gatherings but also we really encourage them to be involved on the weekend and serve uh, on what we call our build team uh, for our weekend services. Lamar, it's amazing. And I hope for the listener that you, you might wanna write down notes if you're thinking about mm -hmm. how do we start a young adult mm -hmm. ministry? How do we strengthen a young adult ministry? Or how do we put together structure. a strategy and mm -hmm. structure to carry out the vision of our lead pastor into the next generation? I think that it's so good to hear the thing that stood mm. out to me most was consistency. Yep. And what Micah and I found is really like the groups or the ministries that thrive, it doesn't always have to do with church size or church budget or anything like that. Mm -hmm. The ones that thrive are the ones that are consistent. And you show me a group that's praying together every week getting together outside of the group and meeting regularly. Mm -hmm. That's what young adults are longing for is community and not just an event, but really a lifestyle. And I'll just comment on a fun note, Lamar, what I need to do is get down for a game of pickleball. And, and one of those, um, one, one nights where you bring everybody together on a Tuesday, I just think that sounds like fun. We, uh, we had a, uh, a basketball court in our yard when our kids were growing up. And so a few years ago, we turned that into a pickleball court. And so we're close to one of our campuses. So every other uh, Tuesday night after the meeting, which is something we do, we encourage the groups to hang out somewhere after their meeting. But every other Tuesday night and then every other Saturday night, 
we have anywhere from 20 to 40 young adults in our backyard playing pickleball. It has just gone crazy here. I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. And uh, it, it, it's a fun time. I want to say one other thing. We have some campuses that are not large enough to have a young adult pastor. And so we can't do a service as such. So what we do on those groups is we have a small group that is basically a, a what we call our build team, our volunteers. They meet as a small group, building a core group, a base group, so that when the campus gets large enough to start a young adult ministry, we've already got a leadership team there in place ready to do that. We encourage them to go to one of the other campuses for the gatherings and sign in on, a, on an iPad so that we can keep track of how many from that new campus we have going to our Tuesday night meetings so that when we get that critical mass and it's time to start that meeting on those new campuses, we're able to do that. And when we have conversations about young adult ministry, every context, right? Mm -hmm. Every church and community is going to look a little bit different, whether size or location and strategy, structure. And so if you're listening, this applies to you. And maybe you're maybe you are in a multi-site setting, or maybe your vision is multiple small groups throughout your community. Right. And so really just having the how can you equip the saints and how can you empower others to be an extension of your vision and your strategy and your ministry. And Lamar, <clears throat> Lamar, you really pointed out something interesting to me right at the beginning of the episode. And you had just said 52 years of ministry, the mission hasn't changed, but sometimes mm -hmm. the methods need to. And I think you're a really great illustration of this to me because you have over 40,000 followers on TikTok which is like gangbusters. <laughs> I'm on TikTok and I think our yeah, conversation, no, I mean, I don't have many, you have like 40 times as many, maybe 80 times as many followers as I do. And I'm challenged and encouraged by you because you're going where the young people are. Right. And you'd be an example of somebody who maybe didn't grow up as a digital native, but you have decided that this is a method that is going to carry out the unchanging mission of God. And you pray for people. Do you want to comment anything about TikTok? Yeah, it, I'm the oldest guy on there and they're the, the lousiest produced videos on there. So anybody can do it. We had um, we had some interns at the Dallas campus when I was over there and we heard about this guy that was um, using TikTok to reach students in L.A. And he had moved to Dallas and um, we we asked him to come train our interns and in how to use TikTok. And, you know, one of the things that we, we did is we, we never encourage our kids to get on TikTok. But those that are on there, uh, they find us. And our goal there is unchurched kids. I mean, that that's who we're trying to reach. And so uh, Brian Barcelona came and taught us how to how to use TikTok. And so I said, well, if I'm going to make our interns uh, do it, then I probably need to do it myself for just a period of time. And Brian told us that if you have a thousand followers at the end of a month, you've really done well and, 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 you, you know, it's going to be good. And so at the end of the month, um, and I just go on and, and pray for students, just nothing fancy. And I might be in my truck. I might be on my back you know, patio or wherever. Well, at the end of the first month, I had 11,000 followers. And I thought, okay, well, maybe we're on something here. And uh, like you said, now I think it's around 40,000 followers. The interesting thing is that 
60% of my followers are here in the United States. The other 40% are from around the world, from South Africa, from Germany, from the Netherlands, from literally all over the place. And it just shows me that um, the, the, the tag I use is the father guy. And it shows me how hungry students are to, to many of them don't have fathers. They don't have families, even here in America and successful families that live with a, a mom and a dad, they really don't have a father who's in their life. And so just to go on and encourage them, it, it just kind of revitalized me of how much students uh, need God in their lives and how they're hungry for it. And they'll seek it uh, if we'll just be obedient with them. That's so good. And Lamar, I would just be curious to see or just to hear this leaning into that even more. So like, I know you've been passionate about the the next generation for all these years, but why do you believe that young adult ministry is so vital and important in this particular day and age? Well, it's, it's not the church of tomorrow. Uh, it is the church. And one of the, the things that we're facing now is the biblical illiteracy among young adults. Um, it's, and I think it goes back um, to student ministry. When um, the mega church came on the scene, the, in many people's minds, your success was how full the room was on the weekends. And so that carried over into the student meetings. And so the emphasis was not on training adults to disciple students and seeing your ministry through the eyes of your volunteers, but it was how many kids you could get in that room on Wednesday night. And I told a lot of guys, you know, if you want to be a success, you just need to get a smaller room because you'll fill it up and everybody will think you're doing great, regardless how many thousands you're having on the weekends in your church. And so we went, we've, we've gone through a time where um, there was the navigator, uh, Leroy Imes had a book called The Lost Art of Disciple Making. And we've lost that art of doing what Jesus did with his 12 disciples. He didn't hold mass crusades and big meetings to win the world. He spent his three years of ministry pouring his life into his 12 disciples and seeing his ministry through their eyes. And so I think we've gotten away from that. Therefore, we've produced a generation of young adults that have not been discipled. They've not been taught how to have a daily quiet time. They haven't been taught how to pray. They haven't been taught how to study the word. And so we're fighting, uh, we're fighting a battle that's, that's tough. And that young adult group is where we've got to draw the line and fight that battle. And, you know, we, sometimes the lines between discipleship and Bible study blur, Bible study is a part of discipleship, but what sets discipleship apart is accountability, where you have a verse of scripture you memorize each week, and you have accountability when you come to the group, everyone says it. You have a Bible study that you do, and you're held accountable for doing that. The one thing Jesus did with his disciples is he held them accountable. He would send them out, he'd bring them back, he would talk to them, he would teach them, he would send them out again. And so I think the reason the young adult ministry is just is so important is we're fighting for the world. I mean, we're, we're making a stand and we need to do everything within um, in our, our, our ability 
to win them. I, I know a lot of churches talk a lot about reaching the next generation, but if you want to find out if they're serious about it, look at their budgets, look at their staffing, right? their calendar. Mm-hmm. What are we doing to reach that generation? The key is that we, we increase what we're doing to reach that generation without decreasing what we do to minister to the, the 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds in our church. They're the ones to a large degree are paying the bill, but they're the ones who've given their lives and sacrifice to get our churches to where they are. So it's not either or, it's we've got to be aggressive in young adults as we continue to minister uh, to that group of, of believers who are mature uh, in their walk with Christ. Totally mm-hmm. on board with that, 100%. And you know, there's been times in my leadership, specifically I think when I was on staff at a local church, where I did many times wrestle with defining success by a full room mm-hmm. or a growing ministry. And um, I think that attendance is one measure of success. It wouldn't probably be the only. <laughs> the only or even the best. It certainly is one measure or metric. I don't think it's only, like Micah said, or the best. And I think that when you look at like I'd say Brad Lewis, he's been on the same campus doing Chi Alpha Campus Ministries over probably about 35 years. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book called Small Group University. And he got together one summer about five years in with the guy from Navigators and InterVarsity and Crew and Chi Alpha was there, FCA. And at, at their campus, they just said, you know, like, how do we know how good we're doing? And I think it was Brad goes, you know, five years from now. 10 years from now, we'll know how successful we are by the future marriages. If students graduate and should choose to get married, are they Christ-centered marriages? Mm -hmm. If they're starting to have kids, are they raising kids in the ways of the Lord? If they're living in a neighborhood, are they influencing their neighborhood or at their workplace? Are they being a force for the kingdom of God and an influence for Christ in the world? And so I think that so much of success is not only numerically but spiritual growth and you talked about the mentoring groups that gateway young adults is Mm -hmm. launching i get excited to hear about that because of the mentorship discipleship and leadership those are all important aspects and community accountability just life on life truly following jesus truly making a difference and i think the other thought that i think about is is kind of like orthodoxy We usually do a decent job with orthodoxy of telling people what they should believe theologically. I think we've probably checked the box in that in a lot of our churches and even orthopraxy saying, here's how your belief behaves. And I think where I'd love to see us emphasize more is really with Mm -hmm. the orthopathos, the affections, like Jonathan Edwards says, the desires of the heart, because then it's not just head knowledge or even hand behavior it's really heart desires and so i think that defining or or choosing you know a great conversation for a young adult ministry leader and their pastor or their team is defining what's the vision here five years from now what is a a healthy young adult look like and then how do we utilize a strategy to carry out that measure of discipleship or that method of discipleship and Lamar we lo- we love to close our episodes just with um, five minutes on the clock okay. and giving the guest a minute 
Um, so it'll be you. you. You get five questions. They're a little bit rapid fire. Keep you on your toes and us as well. But it's called the five and five. Are you ready for that challenge? I am. All right. You want me to kick it off? Do it. All right, Lamar. Number one. Here we go. What's something you're into right now as a hobby for fun outside of maybe your everyday ministry? Well, I uh, I would tell you golf and hunting. Those are things and pickleball. Those are things that I enjoy doing. But uh, I got a brand new knee about six weeks ago. So right now I am very much into physical therapy um, on a regular basis, trying to get that knee to work right. All right. So you can do all the other things, right? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. A little Let's limited go. right now. So, I mean, you're in Texas. Do you have a favorite sports team or sport to follow? I'm in, I'm in Dallas. Uh, you know, every year about this time, it, hope springs eternal with the Cowboys. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We can only hope, right? All right. Yeah. So question number three, here's the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself a question, what would you ask us today? I think I, I would ask what, where, or, or who, or what is the most effective young adult ministry that you guys have encountered uh, in the last couple of years? Hmm. Ooh. You want to go first or second? I'll go second. You can go first, Dave. <laughs> I will say... It's hard to pinpoint it because how do you measure success? And I will be maybe selfish in responding to this, but I would say the ministry that I came out of back in North Dakota, um, I see this was started 10 years ago. So I was 25 at the time, started a young adult ministry with 12 other people, pastor got hired on. Um, and I think it's been really fun to see where about 40 to 50 of us who were part of that launch and that start where they are today, 10 years down the road, whether they're 35 or they're 30, to see them be in healthy Christian marriages, like Josiah said, raising kids, whether it's one to four kids, and to know that God has actually sprinkled all of us that we started with throughout the US. So many have moved to Minnesota, some are still in North Dakota, some are throughout the rest of the states, but it's just kind of crazy to see the leadership that we were under and the vision that God had placed and he kind of illuminated in the lead pastor's heart of recognizing, oh my word, there's a need here in Bismarck, North Dakota, and we're going to be a church that fulfills that need. So we need to hire a pastor and get this, some things rolling and to see that aspects of what we started are still functioning and the friendships that I personally developed through that and how I personally grew, but grew with the people around me. Like you said, through discipleship, mentorship, friendship, leadership, all those components have really been um, influential and key in my life. And even 10 years later, after going on mission trips with some of these people, they're in, they were in our wedding. We go back and visit them every time we go um, out of state. So, I mean, I know what it's like to be a part of a healthy community that was built on a firm foundation. Um, so I would say that for me personally, but if you want to say outside of that, I'd probably say the porch has done a phenomenal job. What I've seen with JG, JP uh, Pakluda, what he had started, and now um, David, David Marvin, Marvin and what he's doing. So to be able to even see 5,000 young adults essentially come every Tuesday, which is almost like a conference feel of like, oh my word, they're putting on a conference. Not really, but... From the production side of coming from somewhere smaller to see those dynamics and to see the heart of christ and the material that they cover and how they do it um they're just doing a, from what i've seen a very well um very good job and very well response i guess throughout the community of young adults who are thriving and desiring more of that so 
Totally. Our, no, no, no. Our, our theme this year with everything we're doing as we head into 2023 is equipping the saints. Equip the saints. And so I would say I'll give you two. Um, one is a campus ministry. So it's actually on a college campus and it's called Chi Alpha at NDSU. So North mm -hmm. Dakota State University, Chi Alpha. And for dozens of years, they have had hundreds of small groups. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that based on the talents of a few. It takes the sacrifice of many right. and the involvement of many. And I think that that's the whole idea of Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 is that, you know, it's really an all-hands-on-deck approach. And people, you know, really who are now taking over the churches in North Dakota, mm -hmm. Micah's home state, have come out of NDSU Chi Alpha. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about entire states like Alaska is now really seeing some... Right groundbreaking and a really challenging setting to minister to young adults and where are they sending them all over the nation people are being sent out to start new campus ministries and lead churches um, right out of NDSU Kyle and I had mentioned Brad Lewis um, has pastored there for decades yeah. and and then I was gonna choose um, the porch and for a little bit different reason and here's why the porch is a part of watermark community church in Texas and I think what they have done a really amazing job. And if you talk to David or Josiah or JD Rogers or Emma Dodd or anyone on their team, here's what they'll tell you. The secret sauce isn't any one speaker or preacher. Their secret sauce is they have hundreds of mm. volunteers. And so I think that there's a part of us, maybe we're in our own home leading a Bible study. How can we equip the saints and so I think that's really the message of those young adult ministries or even on a college campus and both NDSU Chi Alpha mm -hmm. as well as the porch at Watermark Community Church what they've done is they've flipped the script on its head so long the church has had this attractional model come to us and really if you think of the language of the porch it's an extension of the house mm -hmm. The front porch is where people gather, but pe neighbors walking by, but it, it extends the vision of the rooms of the house that are already in existence. And it extends the square footage into the front yard or into unreached territory. And same with a college campus ministry. I think of what you're doing, you're actually there to seek and save the lost. And it's not about come to us. We're going mm -hmm. on mission to your turf your territory, joining you at your table. Mm -hmm. And so those would be a few, and there is thousands of effective young adult ministries. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Good, true. And back you're, to you, Lamar. How would you? You're, of uh, Equip the Saints. The, the first pastor I had that I worked for, he had three things that he taught us and his ministry was built around. Uh, and they're, they're alliterated. So they, it fits in with what you said. It was exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the sinner. And everything we did fell under one of those three things. And that's really shaped my ministry over the years, that, that we worship him, we praise him, we, we equip. You know, you don't have effective discipleship unless it results in evangelism. And you don't have effective evangelism unless it results in discipleship. And so those two things is almost, I wish there was one word that, that said both of those things, like we understand it. And then to, to evangelism of reaching the unchurched. Uh, so I applaud you uh, with emphasizing equip the saints. Uh, we need that. 
So good. That's definitely where we're at in life and leadership, right? Definitely. And it's all hands on deck, right? And back to you, I just ask you, Lamar, Ooh. if you could go anywhere tomorrow, where would you want to go and what would you bring with you for a snack? Ooh. <laughs> um, I was, I've been thinking about that since uh, I saw that question. Um, I think it probably would be Africa. I love wildlife. I love taking pictures and, and, and seeing wildlife. Um, uh, there's just a lot of wildlife there I would I would like to see. And what I would take with me would probably be just plenty of water. <laughs> I have an idea, <laughs> like I do here in Texas, uh, as the same thing. That's so fun. Okay, question number five, our final question with Lamar today. If you could leave the listener with one piece of encouragement, what would you leave them with today? I think um, I would really encourage you to examine your calling in the ministry. Every person is in the ministry, but God has placed a special calling on some of us uh, that is no greater than the calling on anyone else, but he's called us into vocational ministry. My dad told me um, when I surrendered to the ministry, um, he said, son, if you can do anything else and be happy, you should do it because the ministry is not always easy. And I, I think today we have a lot of um, folks that have been hired rather than called. And I think sometimes we take a layman who has an incredible ministry in a classroom or in a corporation and somehow or another, we, we call them into working for the church and yet they would be much more effective if they stayed in their world where, where God has put them. So I would just really encourage you to, to examine your calling and be sure you're where God has called you to be, to minister, because that's where you're going to be the most effective. That's great. Man, on the days that are hard and and just every day, it's important to know that we know that we're called and we each probably have those mm -hmm. defining moments that uh, if you're listening this far into the podcast, I trust that there's a calling of God on your life, whether like Lamar said, it's full-time mm -hmm. ministry in the marketplace or in the mission field or even in the local church. Mm -hmm. I think that really it's it's important to go back to those altar moments with god where you wrestled about the call and you asked yourself yeah. can i do anything else and be happy and if you've come up with the answer no then just know that you're not alone right. and you're gonna need to put a stake in the ground sometimes and and think back of like this is my why why i did this is not because it was my idea but mm -hmm. because god asked me and invited me into this and so lamar thanks for that note of encouragement and advice as well as the conversation today mm -hmm. we're really grateful for you my pleasure thank you and if you want to find out more about lamar slay as well as gateway young adults or even TikTok with the father guy <laughs> you can check us out at youngadults.today as well as across social media platforms but until next time this is josiah micah saying Talk soon.
Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.